0: Busy as he was. Full of news, advice, opinion, always full of affection, the letters can be seen now as child support of another kind from another era. Some he illustrated with his own memorable line drawings, knowing perfectly what pleasure these would give. More often, it is his talent for the vivid word picture that makes what he wrote so exceptional. There is the letter of November 20, 1906, describing for young Ted what he saw on his famous trip to Panama. I know of no better eyewitness portrayal of the great tumult of the steam shovels at work in Culebra Cut. A noted Latter-day Child psychologist, Margaret McFarland, liked to stress that attitudes aren't taught, they're caught. Certainly among the prevailing attitudes to be caught from Theodore Roosevelt's letters to his children is that life is infinitely interesting, and that the more interest we take, the more fun it becomes. He writes of history, health, his horse, his travels, keelboats on the Mississippi, books, art, Africa at night, not to mention the doings of others in the family. The characters in Dickens, he offers, are really to a great degree personified attributes rather than individuals. The mysteries of mental telepathy are no light matter, for after all, there is much in it and in kindred things which are real and which at present we do not understand. There is never doubt of his love for each of the children, his trust in them, his devotion to their mother or that home is where his heart is. After all, fond as I am of the White House, there isn't any place in the world like home, like Sagamore Hill, where things are our own with our own associations, and where it is really country. Spanning a dozen years, from 1898 to 1911, The letters come to us from that vanished day when family correspondence was still an established part of family life, and when letters were written not just to be read, but read aloud. They were family talk on paper, and for the voluble Roosevelt's who seldom ever stopped talking, this was particularly so. It's a point for the modern reader to bear in mind for the full enjoyment of the letters. There are, for example, two accounts by the President of the United States of his slam-bang encounters at the White House with a couple of Japanese wrestlers, in letters to sons Kermit and Ted, which clearly were written for their hilarious effect when delivered aloud. Almost a century later, at the invitation of President Bush to speak about T.R. at the White House, I read these same letters in the course of my talk and with exactly the result their author intended. Theodore Roosevelt did not live to see his face on Mount Rushmore or his conservation ethic enter into the mainstream of American politics as it has in our time. Nor did he live to see his letters to his children appear in book form, first in 1919. But the impress of his personality is to be found here as much as anywhere. And of the more than twenty books he wrote, this is the most charming, the most expressive of the warmth that made him so endearing to those closest to him. Further, with the issue of American family life so in the forefront now, with the very survival of the family as the keystone of American society in question as never before, this new edition of the letters could not be more timely or valuable. And with it comes the bonus of Joan Patterson Kerr's fine family chronicle, which even after all these years contains new information, including T.R.'s letters to Alice, a diary kept by Alice when she was 16, a ghost story often told by T.R. around the campfire, plus an album's worth of family photographs. Roosevelt often said that if he enjoyed a particular book, he would come back to it again and again, always finding something new in it, or in himself.